good morning, everybody. So so good, our crowds are getting bigger. Uh, we've even added another row up here, so we have plenty of room for everybody to come in. I uh, want to welcome those out there in Facebook land. Hope you enjoy this service. We're, uh, once again, blessed to have Brother Dennis Williams here. He's uh, not only a fine preacher, but he's a, he's a good friend. He's a special friend to me. here in Texas and everywhere. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's so wonderful to have everybody here. Uh, I'm going to read a few announcements if you would bear with me. Uh, first thing is the uh, uh, school bus back there. We still have uh, names of students on this school bus and what we would like for you to do is back there and pick out a name and just uh, put that name on your refrigerator or, or wherever you have it so you can remember it and pray for this child every day that they're in school because it's, it's not like it was when we were going to school. But uh, just uh, would like us to ask you please to do that. And some announcements are the operation close to me, but that's not due to the virus. 
of the Lord in praise. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day you've given us. We thank you for the privilege of coming to your house, Lord. Lord, we just ask that you be in this service, send your Holy Spirit to worship, Lord. Be with Brother Dennis as, as he uh, brings the message that he's laid on his heart. And Lord, I just want to say that or ask you if there's anybody in our service today or on Facebook that doesn't know you as, your, as their personal Savior, that they will surrender to you today. And I ask you these things in your precious name. Amen. One other thing. Uh, our pianist over here, uh, Brother Glenn, he's having a real bad time with tinnitus. And if you've never had that, it's extremely bad. It's ringing in your ears. So y'all keep him in, in your prayers and... and uh, just ask God to bless him. Well, good morning. Good morning. I'm doing so much, but if uh, we are going to do a Christmas Chicago tour, we're going to start our practice next Sunday at 4 p.m. during the choir room. The reason it's in the middle is to see that all the documentation is, is a full spread out.
Father, that you would anoint this, your servant, Father, that you would hide him behind the cross. And fill him with your word, the word that you have given us to bring to your church. Father, let the Shekinah glory of God fill this place. And as it's sung, Father,
we as a church living holy? Because believe it or not, Jesus is coming soon. And he's coming for those that are ready and prepared. Not those that just profess to be a Christian, but those that walk the Christian life. Hello? Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Compromise, making the waters of your life murky. When you compromise, that's exactly what you do. You mess up your life. You don't believe me? Ask Abraham. Ask King Saul. Ask many people in the in the Word of God where they compromise, and compromise costs them a lot. Sometimes even costs them their life. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, the individual, will present your life a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, to God, which is your reasonable service. Then in verse 2, he says, And do not be conformed to this world. Hello? Is God's Word truth? Does it lie? That's truth. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, what is that acceptable, and what is that perfect will of God. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 4 says this, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in His ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. And the one that God gave me this morning, it says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man exchange for his soul? What does this world, listen to this, look at me, what does this world have to offer you that's more than God? Yet we don't act like it. Hello? I said, we don't act like it. We find that material things or things are more important than God. Pleasure is more important than God. Stuff is more important than God. There is nothing in your life that's more important than God. Sometimes, I, I don't exactly remember exactly the, the, the year it was that we were in Tennessee doing, uh, doing, doing uh, revivals and uh, a young uh, uh, Elaine was Watching uh, over our house as she always does. Matter of fact, she stayed there while we were gone, and, and uh, she had left uh, one Friday night to, to come down here to Walmart uh, to do her shopping because that's the only time she had to, uh, somebody to get a ride. And so when she came, she called me at, at uh, one o'clock her, at our time, two o'clock Tennessee time, and she says we've been robbed. I said what? She said when I, when I came back. She said, Door was open, the window was broken into the house, and you know, your computers, your television, jewelry, money, everything was gone. I said, 
there, there, there are there are nearly 100 million people in our country who claim to be church members. 100 million. However, as professed believers, we're, we're not having the moral and we're not having the spiritual influence on our nation and in our world that you would think that we should be able to make. We don't do it anymore. So, so why isn't the church having a greater impact on our culture? And why is there so little commitment on the part of believers pertaining to, to coming to church, to witnessing to people, just, to be, just, just becoming world changers within itself? I, I believe that the main reason for our failure is that that we have violated the teachings of God's Word and particularly the command of Romans 12, 2, where it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen. When we conform to this world, we make the waters of our lives murky. And, and, and when our testimonies, when we do that, our testimonies are often met with disastrous results. Why? Because our testimony does not line up with our profession. Or more plainly, was we talk louder than we walk. Hello? I said we talk louder than we walk. I want to bring four things this morning quickly about mercy waters of our life. One, what does it mean to be conformed to this world? Two, what are the effects of conformity? Three, so what is the cure for mercy waters? And four, what is the result of keeping the waters clean? What does it mean to be conformed to the world? Conformity. Conform. It's an external, it's an external fashion or, or shaping of one thing to make it look like another. Look at our churches today. Look at some of our people that call themselves Christians today. Listen, we, we should never become so well adjusted to the world culture, culture that, that we fit in without even thinking about it. Hello? We, we need to fix our attention on God, and, and, and when we, we fix our attention on God, God will, will change us from the inside out. Unlike the culture around us, that will always drag us down to its level of immaturity. Listen, God will always bring out God will always bring out the very best in you. Always. Conform to his likeness, not to the world. Listen, we, we should never copy our behavior. We should never copy our customs after this world. Never. And as Christians, we, we, we have, as Christians, we have the responsibility not to pattern our lives after the world's value system. And, and what is the basis of the world's value system? Hmm. That's one little thing. <laughs> there are three main values summarized in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. The first one is possessions, and he said, and, and, and it reads, he says, for all that is in the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, 
and the pride of life, listen, and then the last verse is this, is not of the Father, is not of the Father, is not of the Father. Everybody hear that? It's not of the Father, but is of the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh, that's possession. That's materialism. It's been said that the essence of life today is not having. It is having to have. Just, just to say, I have it. I mean, I know people like that. And I, they, have, they have things that they have never used, but just because they have them or they wanted them, they bought them, and so they have it, so they have to have. I don't understand that. If, if I don't need it, why, why would I even want it? Hello? If I don't need it, why would I even want it? I mean, I, I see things that are, are nice and pretty in catalogs and stuff, and I think to myself, you know, they really need it. It says over in Luke 12, 15, this is what it says. And he said to them, Take heed, Christ says, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life, one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. That's not your life. What your life is is Christ Jesus. Say, my life, everybody say, my life is Christ Jesus. I don't know if y'all know who Andy Warhol is, but one of his greatest pictures that he ever painted was in which he superimposed uh, the General Electric logo and the wrapper from a bar of Dutch soap over a dim draw, drawing of Leonardo da Vinci's great painting. <laughs> now, Walm, he didn't, he, he, he meant no irreverence because he said that. And he was rather making a statement that, that few will deny, listen, because spiritual values are often overshadowed are hidden by materialism. Can you say amen? Or you can say amen or oh me. One day, uh, the department store manager left the windows of his store open, and a great windstorm blew in and blew all the, the price tags around the store, causing them to land in total disarray. And the next day, the shoppers were delighted to see that, that expensive suits were only a dollar nineteen. Yet socks were $149.95, shoes were five cents, and then they found a scarf that was $1,299.99. But that's how the world and lives everyday life. That's how small Christians live. They put low value on spiritual things, and they put high value of things of no value. And then he has, then he comes. Uh, uh, Paul writes the, 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 the pleasures, the lust of the flesh, carnality. And in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, he gives 19, 19 things in the last days of perilous times. He says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. There's your money. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, 
disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, un- unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures rather than love of God. And then he tops it off with this. Having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And he says, from such people, do what, y'all? Say it again. One more time. But aren't we supposed to coexist? Let me tell you something. There are two types of people in this world. Listen to me. If I look at me. There are two types of people in this world. People that will lift you up. And even today, many, many of our adolescents, and not only adolescents, but our young people, they, they, can't, they can't just say no to drugs. Why? Because their whole, their whole approach to life has been shaped by the tube that sits in their living room or in their bedroom or in their den. The cellar. The land where no doesn't even exist. I found a little story about a very hungry fox seeing some bread and meat that a shepherd had left in a hollow log and he crept into the hole and, and, and made a hearty meal. And when he finished, he was so full that he was able to escape the hollow log. And so he began to, to moan and groan and lament about his fate. And another fox passing by uh, heard his cries and coming up inquired about his, his cause of his complaining and, and, and learning what had happened. Uh, he said to him, uh, Well, you will have to remain there, my friend, until you become such as you were when you crept in, and then you may easily get out. Too often, listen to what I'm saying, too often Christians become caught up in their passion of the flesh that that they end up, they will have to pay for their sin that they have done. Listen, no matter how alluring things may appear to you or to me or to anybody else, we must simply walk away and avoid temptation. And then he comes out press the pride of life, prestige and position. I had a long conversation with a pastor last night about a, a, a gentleman who claims to be something that he's not. And, and I called him to find out because he, know, he knows this man off the back of the tent. And he said, no, he, he was never in the military. Uh, and I said, well, I said, that's not what he states the thing for. But anyway, he said, uh, he said one thing that this gentleman likes, he likes to have titles. And he likes to be have the prestige of being somebody. The only thing, the only title that I ever want to own, only title, is I could be a soldier with the Jesus. That when, when Christ sees me, he, the only thing that he can, that I want him to hear him say, he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's all I want to hear. And believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm working at that. Now, do I fail? Miserably. And I, I know I'm not like some of y'all. Some of y'all are really perfect that way. Y'all, y'all know what that is. <laughs> he said, 
I figured that. <laughs> Did y'all know Rocky could walk in water? See? <laughs> the pride of life. Pride of life. Pride is where you, you, you substitute sound values for the world's methods of popularity and success. That's where the power of life is. This substitution is what is really clouding the influence of the Bible in the lives of Christians today. I guarantee you, when we put ourselves above anything that God does, then we have become prideful in our lives. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, you are where you are, not because of what you've done, but because God has shown His mercy on you and helped you to get where you are today. John 12, 42 and 43 says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, listen to what he was saying, even among the rulers, many believe in Him, but because of the Pharisees, They did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. And my goodness, I cannot be put out of the synagogue, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and not confess Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. I don't care where I am, and I don't care who hears me. I am going to proclaim Jesus. Listen to me. If my walk doesn't speak for me, if your walk doesn't speak for you, then you need to change your walk. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. My assessment is this. People are just plain strangers. They want the front of the bus, they want the back of the church, and they want the center of attention. Listen, if you, listen, if, if you serve only for the approval of men, hear what I'm saying. If you serve only for the approval of men, you will lose the approval of God. You will lose it. What, is, what are the effects of Job 34, 4 says, Let us choose justice for ourselves. Let us know among ourselves what is good. Look, when the, water, when the waters are murky, you ever wade through a water, the water is nice and clear, then, then you can see the rocks and everything else, and you wade through the stream, and, 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 and you stir up the mud, you can't see the rocks or anything anymore. Well, that's what happens to your life. When the waters become murky, you cannot see clearly to discern what's in it. Likewise, when we, when we muddy, muddy the waters of our lives with the culture and the philosophy of this world, we lose 
we lose our ability to, to discern what is right from wrong because we're trying to, to think like the world and be like God. And I already told you, you can't walk the fence. It's no gray area. It's either black or white. It's either God or the world. Hello? And, and, and when, the, when the eye becomes dominant, this eye, your eye, when you become dominant, when, when the eye becomes dominant, the spiritual eye sees the whole entire world in a distortion. You hear what I'm saying? The devil cannot take from the soul the light of faith. However, he can and does remove the light of consideration. Even to the point that the believer does, does not even not ever even reflect on what they actually believe. And I've seen people like that. I've seen people like that in the church. And, and we're, we're God has blessed us to go to many churches. And there's, there are actually people like that to where they really don't know. They go to church, but they really don't know what they believe. And we have, we, there, there, there is prominent pastors that, that over a year ago would be was preaching one thing, and now this year, because everything has been changed for some reason, they believe in this and they believe in that, but they used to not believe in it anymore. Because they have conformed to the world. And when you conform to the world, you, use, you lose your prospect and you lose your vision of Christ. Listen, just to little avail to open your eyes when you're in total darkness. It is to no advantage to be near the light if your eyes are closed. Hello? I found this. It is said in Japan that there is a certain kind of spider which throws web over the telegraph and telephone wires and sometimes from tree to tree and, and frequently from ground over over uh, the wire to the ground. And, and, and I, I looked at this. I was going to bring pictures and so you can see at, at the web. I mean, it's just like like a curtain. It, it just it just is where it, 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 that it, 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 it's impossible to send telegraph messages from one, one tree to the other because they're so many of them. And, and, it, it, and they ground them over the wire and to the ground and over the trees. And so the wires, the telephone, telegraph wires and telephone wires are grounded and they can't send messages. So they have to spend time now to, to cut the webs, which are insignificant. You know, what is, what is a spider web? But yet there's so many of them that they stop communications in Japan. And instantly after they cut them, connection is then regained and restored. But it's likewise true that in the things of our lives, as insignificant as the spider web, have caused us to lose our peace and our power because we have conformed to the standards of the world and not to the standards of God. While many of them together have shut us off from all communication to heaven because we are more concerned about things than we are about God. We're more concerned about pleasure than we are about God. We're more concerned about the pride of life than we are about God. We are more concerned about about what what we can do than what God can do for us. And then we lose our influence of right over wrong in the world. 
you know that the early church had its greatest impact upon the world when it, it lived least like the world? But like I mean, I, I remember, and I, I, I know exactly when it happened. I think it was 1957 when O'Hara did all of that. that what was it? Does anybody remember the date? I know. But I, I remember that when, you know, the church is saying, no, it, 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 nothing, nothing can come past the book. Well, it started. And it hasn't ended. Why? Because we compromise our standards and let that happen. And I'll bring this out in a few minutes. You, you, you can't compromise. You can't compromise anything. And there, there was a, a, a Christian communication magazine relates a story of a small Midwestern uh, weekly paper which ran this story, and this is the story. It says, We are pleased to announce that the tornado which blew away the Methodist church last Friday did no real damage to the town. Now, this is true. Now, that's scary. When we conform to this world value system, we become irrelevant and we become without impact. And that's what the church has become today because we have conformed to the world. We have conformed to the world. David Watson's book, Called and Committed, World-Changing Discipleship wrote, wrote these words. He says, The vast majority of Western Christians, and he says, I call them the church members, the pew fillers, the hymn singers, the sermon tasters, the Bible readers, even some born-again believers and charismatics are not true disciples of Christ. And he continues, he says, if we were willing to become true disciples, the church in the West would be transformed and the impact on society would be totally staggered. We need to be that and go back like we were. Every one of us. In 1 Peter 2.12, it writes these words, Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may... By your good works, which you they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Philippians 2.15 says these words, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as a light, light in the world. Listen, we, we don't want as the newspapers would say, we don't want a church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. Because we have been so willing to accommodate the message of the Bible to, to, the, to the limitations and contemporary culture. The, the, the modern world does not regard the church as a threat anymore. We've lost our power. We've lost our power. And I, I suspect that the, that the world regards us now not as powerful, just bored. Hello? Just bored. And, and we, are, we are giving the modern world less and less in, 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 in which to disbelieve. Why? Because it, it, it fishes 
no difference. It senses no difference what the church is saying and what is being said by the variety of secular voices. In other words, the church is speaking the same language as the world. That's not right, y'all. That's not right. And you say, so what is the spirit of milk and water? Transformation. That's one of the spirits. Complete change, expression, and character and conduct. Transformation. Renewing of the mind. The adjustment of the moral and, and spiritual vision and thinking to the mind of God. And how do we do that? We do that through a revival of His power by, his, by our willing response to His Word and living out His Word in us. Catherine Booth wrote these words. He says, There comes a crisis in our lives. He said, A moment every human soul which enters the kingdom of God has to make its choice of that kingdom in preference to everything else that it holds and owns. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's the first thing. In Hebrews 11, verses 24 to 26, it's about faith Moses. When he became of age, listen, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. I'm going to tell you right now, there are so many people in our church today, if they would have to suffer for the glory of God, they would rather choose the pleasure of this world. Hello? Yes. A lot of us need to say amen. Verse 26, it says, Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he looked to the Lord. In 1 John 9, as one of our everybody should be able to quote it, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And our last one, what is the result of keeping the waters of our life clear? The last verse is Romans 12. It says, to prove what is that good, what is that acceptable, and what is that perfect will of God. That's a great thing. The knowledge, the, the result is that we have the knowledge of what is right and wrong. In Psalms 19.7, says, says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. In John 7, verse 17, it says, If anyone wants to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. You will know. Then we have the knowledge of what sin is in opposite relation to its presence. You see, only as sin goes do, do you realize what sin is. Because when sin is present, you you really don't realize what it is because the nature of sin in itself, it destroys the, the capacity to know that it's sin. And before you know it, you're caught up in sin and then it's too late. You know, the world paints sin as, as 
ugly and everything. And at, at the end, it is. But you have to remember that Satan was the angel of light. And he was, in the Bible says he was very beautiful. So he's going to paint every, he's going to paint sin as something, man, magnificent. And so you're caught up in it. And then once you're caught up in it, you realize that it's sin. And then it's almost too late. So you just run. Now, it, it, is, it, is it not certain that, that when I know as I am known, I shall be more perfectly prepared to serve God? Because look, the amount, the, the amount of to, to which I know my Christ and my Savior is the amount to which I am prepared to serve. The more I know Christ, the more I want to serve Him. The more I live for Christ, the more I want to serve Him. So to be known as I am known, the more that, 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 that I know what I, I am known, that, I, that, that makes myself perfectly prepared to serve Because I know And then we have maturity. Warren W. Worsley wrote this. It says, many people think that a spiritual Christian is mystical, is dreamy, is impracticable, impracticable, impracticable. I'll get it wrong. And distant. <laughs> when he prays, he shifts his voice into a mournful tone instrumental. Listen, this kind of smug piety is poor is a poor example of true prayer. I'm, I'm laughing because I know a, a gentleman in Tennessee at one of these churches, and the pastor every time they're there asks, they'll ask him to pray. I, I'm, I'm going to say it this way: he, he prays in the King James Version. And he'll, 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 he'll do just like we'll do like. Oh, God. It's me and thou and that. <laughs> and I tell him, who are you trying to impress? When you get up there, do you, does anybody know what prayer really is? I know I'm moving, but that's It's talking to your friend. I don't. I guarantee you, you wouldn't be in a mournful King James Version type conversation with your friend. You would just talk to him. That's exactly what prayer is. Look, don't don't try to impress God. God already knows you. You're not fooling Him. But I see people that try to. I guess because they're in church. And I, and I guarantee you, I, I, and one day we, 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 outside, we, most of them, they're at a restaurant, we at the same restaurant. And he was given the waiter, Brother Dave, he was given the waiter work for because he got his meal. What he was doing inside the church, he wasn't doing outside the church. Brother Norm preaches that often. Anyway, to be spiritually minded simply means to look at earth from heaven's point of view. That's what spiritually minded is. 
spiritual-minded believer makes his decision on the basis of eternal values and not on impressions had on society. In 2 Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. That's how you build. Maturity is listen. Maturity is pressing toward the mark. Immaturity. Listen to what I'm saying, y'all. And we have we have church people that 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 that, that live like this. Immaturity is complacency. Immaturity is self-satisfaction. Well, I went to church Sunday morning. I've done my duty for the week. That's complacency. That's self-satisfaction. And I think I said last week, when, when, we, when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the day you accept Jesus Christ, that is the journey. That is the first day of your journey into salvation. Every day you live that way. Every day. Influence. One day, someone asked her what she thought about a, a Christian and how a Christian was. So she thought for a few minutes and replied, Well, as far as I can see of the Christian that I've saw, is a, a Christian is somebody who is different than everybody else. loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It has been good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And, and when, I, I got this from my baby. We are the salt of the earth. Believe it or not, do you ever get salt in your eyes? Anybody? We become an irritant to people. Ask me, I'll tell you. I, I, I the thing about it is, you know, I, I, I always try to witness to my family, and I, I as much when my sister and brother-in-law were there. I So I, I made the mistake of bringing scripture to to my sister. And she told me, you know, she, she said, well, 
I, I know all of that, he says, but I, I'm still human and I'm going to worry about myself. I said that, and I told him, then worry is sin, and then you're sinning against God because you have no faith in God. I have plenty of faith in God. And I said, you're not sinning against God. And she went to that argument. I said, look, argument's over. I gave you the Word of God. I'm not, I'm not saying you're doing it. I'm saying, I'm saying you're God's Word. And you're going to show it back to, to God. I said, you have lack of faith. And then she came back in to the living room and tried to hide her eyes. I said, okay. So you didn't want to listen to what God said. So you didn't want to listen to what God said. You just didn't want to listen to God. When people don't want to listen to the Word of God, listen to me. Everybody listen to me. People don't want to listen to the Word of God. Salt is an irritant. Salt is a preservative, and salt is a sweetener. Light is a guidance. Light is a reflecting, and light is communication. Christians, we are the salt and the light of the world. That's who we are. And you don't think compromising is damaging? Listen to what I'm saying. Abraham and Sarah, listen to me. Everybody, listen to what I'm saying. This one little line. Abraham and Sarah compromised and produced an Ishmael. And we're still paying for it. In your life, when you compromise the Word of God, listen to what I'm saying. When you compromise God's Word, you are going to produce an Ishmael and you can't get rid of it. Listen to what I just said. Listen to what I just said. As I said in the beginning, don't well-adjusted to the world hustle that you fit into it without even thinking. Put your attention on God, and when you do, you'll be changed from the inside out. And then my last verse is this. Why am I saying For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And what will a man give wants you to live a life that when you, wherever you are, 
your life reflects Christ Jesus. And if you look and you act and you talk and you perform like the world, then you are, are no different from the world, and the world can see no difference. Well, I'm just as good as they are. I act just like they do. It doesn't work, y'all. It doesn't. Don't ever hear that. Maybe I wasn't listening. Please. Nobody listen to me. I guarantee you, every one of us has things in our lives that we need to change. Because we look and we act and we perform like the world. Now I will say, you know, God, God gave me this sermon Friday afternoon because of the things that happened during the week. But I not only saw it in, in my family, I see it in, in church people. Everywhere we go, even, uh, even in this church. Look you up the rest of his hand. Because Brother Ray says, I know I need to change. Can I see your hand? Can I see him? All of you. There you go. That's it. That's right there. Put him down. Thank you. Come back. Look at him. Now he's just as good as you. He's you know, maybe he's perfect like I said. You don't need to change him. Father, I thank you. I know in some areas of my life that I do conform to the world. Father, I pray and I thank you. As of this day, I will, by the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, change those things in Jesus' name. And the church said, Are they play one one? If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't walk out these doors without Christ. See, you're not, you're not, you're not. You only going to make it to your house in the morning. There's such a thing. You're not getting to it. And if you're not ready to meet Christ, you need to be. Attitude, if there's somebody here, you need Christ. Every one of us. He's waiting and watching. 
friends from Friends of Birmingham who are out there um, doing the same work as me. Um, I pray for certain receive a blessing from God through you. Um, when you get a new pastor um, in North Carolina, um, I know God's going to bless that. He's going he's to give you all mighty blessings. Um, for myself, I love you. Um, you're just a special man. Ask you, Lord, to bless each one 